0: Empire. Players have so many new avenues to engage and brand themselves.
1: I'll start by saying that um, we embrace new technologies at One Team, and as a group, as the games group at One Team, we've been I'm um, very excited about the emergence of blockchain gaming and NFTs writ large. Um, taking a step back, we view NFTs and Web3 as enabling technology.
0: That's Henry Lowett Bell's Chief Product Officer at One Team Partners, who is surveying a very modern and open landscape. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. Web3, NFTs, social outlets, NIL. The world is opened for athletes and branding partners to find new ways to engage with fans and monetize their efforts in doing so. And for Henry Lowenfels, it is an exciting time to see how this all fits. Our guest this week is Henry Lowenfels. He is the Chief Product Officer At the One Team Partners, which is a licensing athlete marketing and media group that was launched in 2019 as a joint venture between the NFLPA, the Major League Baseball Players Association, and Redbird Capital. And their goal is to maximize the collective value of athletes' rights through all sorts of means. Hi, Henry. How are you? Nice to meet you.
1: I'm great. Thanks for having me, Bram.
0: Okay. Tell me a little bit about this. It's still semi-new, pre-pandemic, but still semi-new. What does the One Team Partners do?
1: Yeah, so One Team is a really unique organization, and we're very proud of what we do. We represent some of the world's greatest athletes from a group licensing perspective. So a lot of people think about how you go out and get an athlete into a product, a specific individual athlete, and you might want to go speak to an agent or their representative, their their manager. When you're looking for a group of athletes, in the NFL, it's six or more, in Major League Baseball, it's four or more. When you need a group, you actually need a license a group license, and that's due to the collective bargaining agreements that exist between the leagues and the players' associations. So we are effectively an outgrowth of the players' associations. Um, We're owned uh, in part by the unions, by the MLBPA, the NFLPA, the WMBPA, U.S. Women's National Team Players Association, MLSPA, um, and and others. And uh, we actually represent their rights and specialize in very specific verticals. So I oversee the Video games, NFT, Web3, effectively interactive entertainment vertical. And we also focus on trading cards, apparel, collectibles, et cetera, uh, and really try to maximize the rights. We really try to look for proactive opportunities in the market where we can bring athletes to the fans that love them.
0: So was this kind of burst from the idea that the athletes collectively thought they were missing out on opportunities and needed something like this to advocate on their behalf and maximize their values?
1: Well, so group licensing programs have existed since the early 90s. I believe the NFLPA was the first to put one in place. And so the unions themselves, the business arms, the PIs, which are associated with the PAs, have historically taken care of this. Now, that has worked pretty well for some of the bigger players associations, the NFLPA, the MLBPA, um, et cetera. It's been more challenging for some of the less well-staffed player associations, such as the WMDPA or the MLSPA. So where we come in is we brought in specialists and, you know, folks who really are domain experts from specific industries. I spent the last 20 years in the entertainment world, the last 10 of which in mobile gaming, really cutting my teeth and understanding how do you drive growth and success in the world of games? Yeah. Um, Not just with sports IP. I happen to be a sports fan, so it's a, you know, the glove fits. But when I heard about one team, what was really exciting was the specialization and the focus. It was the attention that the unions were paying to this really, really exciting opportunity to drive growth in these specific verticals starting mostly with trading cards and video games, but really moving out from there.
0: Okay. So let's talk about some of this new stuff, and maybe we'll start with the older stuff. The Madden franchise has been around for, I don't know, 25, 30 years now. Um, there are a number, obviously, of other video games that are out there, and they are obviously big business for the players and for yourself. Can you kind of talk about the relationship to those franchises now and how the players are trying to maximize their efforts within the gaming community?
1: Absolutely. So, you know, just quick anecdote, personally, um, I got my first uh, experience playing Madden when I was eight years old at (laughs) my friend Andrew's house um, on his Sega Genesis and went on a year long campaign to uh, convince my parents to buy us a Genesis, even though we were a Nintendo family because of one game, Madden. And I have played that game for over 30 years straight. So uh, I'm a big fan of the franchise. And uh, that is part of what drew me in in the first place. Um, we do continue to work very actively with those franchises and and those long standing game products that that we've been a part of. Um, so, you know, Madden is a great example where not only are we providing the license and and really um you know helping them to represent the players in the best light and and bring them to fans in the ways that fans really love them, but we're also working with them on the marketing side. So, we do a tremendous amount with EA around ratings reveals, around certain campaigns and, and big beats that they have around Halloween or Christmas. We did the NFL Pro Bowl um, virtually a couple years ago and did it once again last year in kind of an esports setup where it was played in the actual game of Madden by celebrities. And so what that does is, you know, really bring fans closer to these folks who they see on the field as these incredible athletes, but personalizes them, you know, it's sort of, you have a a more of a direct relationship when you see your favorite quarterback playing Madden and, and, you know, talking crap to Snoop Dogg, you know? And so it's, it's a kind of experience that we think really, um, you know, personalizes the experience for the athletes and the fans. And, um, it's just sort of an addition to what we can do on the licensing side. Um, we're obviously bringing that to bear across the board. So, EA and Madden is a a longstanding partner, but you know, as we launch new products, things are becoming even more innovative. And as we start to think about ways via social media, via NFTs and web three products, where we can really have direct interaction between players and fans, some of the marketing opportunities on top of the licenses we provide are really, really exciting.
0: Uh, The sports gaming obviously is a easy correlation to what you're doing. What about alternative gaming, Fortnite, Roblox, Minecraft, these types of very popular games. Um, How are you thinking through intertwining the unions and the players into those spaces, which obviously are of interest to a large group of players?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And, And, you know, it speaks to the idea of really not just trying to bring gamers to sports necessarily, but also bringing kind of sports to where gamers already exist and already live. And we believe in that, for sure. So uh, Fortnite's a great example. We have a great relationship with Epic. We have had a uh, program in place for the past couple of years where you do see player uh, jerseys and and even players sometimes enter into the game in various forms, whether it's some of their emotes, their dances. Um, We did something last year with Justin Jefferson, um, you know, it was kind of a touchdown dance play inside of, that's how my
0: son learned it, by the way, which (laughs) as a massive football (laughs) fan was like, if this is how he's going to interact with it, I'm okay with that, you know. He's he's of a different generation. As long as he ends up loving it the way I loved it, I don't care how he got around to that, and that's how he learned What's the to. You know, really,
1: I learned about the forty six defense from Madden, yeah. and your son learned about Justin Jefferson's touchdown dance right. in Fortnite. So I think times are changing a little bit, but still, you know, I'm glad that video games are are providing the entry point. So so yeah, so Fortnite, we we do things like that. We we think about those as what we'd call integrations into you know existing products, where we're not trying to completely change the game necessarily, but we're really trying to bring the flavor of our intellectual property and and the players that we represent. Um, another way of doing it is is around the game. You know, esports and competitive gaming is something that is really exciting to us at one team. Um, we actually have a focus on that and are expanding into working with professional gamers. Um, we we have a deal with the, the LCSPA, the League of Legends uh, North American League and their players association. And so we're actually going to be representing those athletes um, in the same way we represent NFL athletes, but we're also doing things with say NFL or MLB athletes and the games they love. So, um, you know, we've done programs with MLB, the show and with Madden, we've done also programs with Fortnite, um, which are really, really exciting. We do something every year called the NFL PA open, um, you know, where we have, you know, a group of NFL players who compete in a Fortnite game and, you know, it's an exciting thing for fans to watch and to see who, who's the best and, uh, you know, who, who's really, uh, Coming to prominence on on the Fortnite field.
0: Where are you on NFTs? I know that is a very broad statement, but if I asked you this a year ago, I'm sure your answer would be different. Twelve months later, with the flood of you know of of versions of these that are out there, how do you kind of look at that now as you move into the future?
1: Yeah, so I'll start by saying that um, we embrace new technologies at One Team and as a group, as the games group at One Team, we've been. Um, Very excited about the emergence of blockchain gaming and NFTs writ large. Um, Taking a step back, we view NFTs and Web3 as enabling technology. So one of the things that distinguishes our approach is that we don't necessarily think about what we're doing with NFTs as an NFT business. We think about it in the context of whatever business line may exist. We believe that NFTs have the ability to impact fantasy sports, as in the case of our partnership with SoRare. We believe it has the ability to impact collectibles, as in our partnership with Dapper and others. We also believe that it has the ability to impact games with our partnership with Mythical, for example. So, you know, we really are looking across category and trying to understand how does this enabling technology enhance experiences that currently exist and create new experiences that were not possible before. It's very similar to the way that I would say the internet kind of came to prominence in the nineties, you know, no one said, Hey, we have to have an internet strategy, or maybe they did. But if you look at that in hindsight, you know, it's like, well, what do you mean an internet strategy? You're talking about media, you're talking about search, you're talking about social media, you're talking about e-commerce, you know, it's really just broadband technology that enables all sorts of experiences to exist. And so we think we're in early days right now. Um, We're very proactive in the space. So that's part of why last week I was at NFT NYC taking, dozens of meetings and really trying to understand what's happening, who the biggest players are both in and outside the world of traditional sports. Um, there's a lot of really exciting stuff happening in web three and NFTs in traditional sports. We're fortunate to have, you know, an evergreen set of IP that really applies to this technology. Um, but there's also really interesting stuff happening outside of it. And so we're really studying the market and really trying to understand what a want, wants, what's exciting, what's more than just noise and hype and, speculation but what are the products that really can stand the test of time provide utility and and exciting experiences unique experiences to fans and how do we efficiently bring them to those
0: fans? yeah it seems um, i'm glad you used the word utility because we've heard this from a lot of people that initially when these came out it was almost these one-off collectibles with a market that clearly has had a bubble in it now as you kind of view it um it sounds like that most people, at least in sports, are seeing this as important, but it needs to have a utility or be a reward, that it has to go from one place to another, that it's not the landing spot, right?
1: That's right. That's right. I mean, I think the the initial mainstream point of view on NFTs were that these are digital collectibles. And I do think that there is going to be a market for digital collectibles for a long time. I, you know, as I like to explain this to people who are far outside the, uh, the NFT ecosystem, you know, why did my wife spend more money than I wanted her to on a rug in a room we barely go into in our house? It's Because it's a somewhat of a collectible to her, yeah. something that makes her feel a certain way. Same reason why some lunatic spends a few hundred thousand dollars on a profile picture for Twitter. Well, they maybe <laughs> spend 50 percent of their time in that digital space, as crazy as it sounds. And what's the difference between decorating your house and decorating yeah. the digital?
0: House? Some that's of it's like, high-end you know. art. I mean, it is. I mean, like, you know, what's a painting on a wall or a painting that's been done digitally? I mean, you know, like, realistically, I mean, how could you really discern between the two of them and what's the value on them? Right.
1: We can debate aesthetics, right? But yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's someone it's, it's what the market is willing to pay for it, you know? And so um, so I think that, that digital collectibles are, are always going to be, you know, something. Um, but the way that we've looked at it is is a little differently. You know, we would say that NFTs are more akin to a ticket stuff, um, you know, that gets you into some kind of an event or some kind of experience, or at least that's the way they should be positioned. So when you think about, you know, say what Sorare is doing, who's a partner of ours, we've announced that um, we have a baseball product coming with Sorare. We also are partners with them um, for the MLSPA as well in their soccer product, um, you know, Many people are interested in in collection, sure, but predominantly you're not buying a store rare card just for the collection, you're buying it because it's a ticket to an experience that you can have. Fantasy sports experience, right? And so you actually buy that NFT, you gain affinity for that NFT as you use it in a gaming experience, win, lose, or draw. And that's really, really exciting. And I think that's a very elegant way of presenting it. It's a very clear use case, it's very straightforward, it's very simple. Um, But I think that's really just scratching the surface. I mean, we have some things in development that we haven't announced that are video games that, you know, don't look like any blockchain games that exist in market today, where, you know, you can imagine a shelf of collectibles, so to speak, but maybe a digital shelf of collectibles, and you choose which of those collectibles you're going to take off the shelf to play with in the virtual sandbox. You know, that's that's a really exciting thing. You're seeing that. Um, a little bit with one of our partners and one of their different products, you know, what mythical is doing with Blanco's block party is very much that they're effectively digital vinyl toys that you can unbox and unwrap and go into a virtual Roblox like world where you can play mini games and interact with others. And, you know, I think those are the kinds of utility oriented plays that start to get me excited. And I also believe we're really just scratching the surface here. You know, people are largely taking direct translations of, physical things that make sense and then moving them into the digital world. When we really start to get to the next level of the technology, I believe we're going to start to see mechanics that couldn't exist in the physical world, um, but can because of the digital nature of these properties that are going to be really exciting. I, I wish I was smart enough to know exactly what all those are, but what I am excited about is is there's so much innovation and so much creativity and and there has been, and, and I believe will continue to be despite market pressures, a lot of financing pouring into the space to support that.
0: Let me ask you this then, uh, in light of all of this, you are in the business of building partnerships, modern partnerships on behalf of players and teams and leagues for that matter. Um, with new technology, old technology, you're you're actually interacting with the modern fan. Um, I know this is a really broad thing to ask and it probably is a very complicated answer, but what do young modern fans want from their athletes now? How do they want to engage with them?
1: That is a, a broad question. I think they want unique experiences. I think more than anything they they value the Instagram picture or the moment. They value, you know, the the DM on Twitter more almost than, you know, the basketball that they or the baseball that they can bring home from the game, you know? And so I think that there is is something um around experiential that is is, you know, and sports has always had this, right? There's always been the, you know, you go to the game and that's what the ticket stub Represents, but I think even more so what I'm seeing with younger audiences um, You know, it's it's beyond a collection set or beyond owning something It's actually being able to say, you know I had this very unique experience that was one of a kind and and only custom catered to me into what I wanted so the ability to have fans interact more directly with their athletes the athletes they love and 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 really watch Week in week out. I think that's what they want more than anything.
0: Yeah, it's hard though I mean how does Pat Mahomes individualize, like, events with 8 million fans? I mean, that's a really, it's a big ask, right, to try to figure out how to bridge those gaps.
1: It's incredibly hard. I mean, you're seeing individuals do it in really unique ways. I mean, Gary Vee, I think, is one that you got to point to and say, this is a guy who has a massive fan base. And however he's been able to do it, he creates this persona that really speaks to people. I think he leverages social media in in an incredible way and really is able to just connect, you know, and it's a skill set in and of itself. But What we see across our portfolio of athletes is that it's not about necessarily how prominent an athlete is. It's almost about how well-versed they are with modern technologies and just sort of the modern way of speaking to a fan. And sometimes you're seeing this from athletes that, you know, may not be the best player on their team or play in the most prominent league or, or in the most prominent position on the field, um, but who have a really, really active Twitch stream. And, yeah. you know, people will go on and they'll have 20,000 fans who, you know, know to show up because this guy is streaming and he's entertaining and he's exciting and he's fun to watch. And so, you know, is Juju Smith-Schuster one of the best wide receivers in the NFL? He's, he's very, very good, yeah. but he's by far and away one of the most popular athletes because of his ability to speak to modern fans, to associate himself with groups like FaZe Clan, and to sort of have this air of cool and hipness that really fans love, you know? And so I think it's like, should he be the number one most followed, you know, NFL player on social media? I mean, maybe, maybe not, <laughs> yeah. but he's doing something right. And, you know, people really love him and, and I, I enjoy following him. He creates great content.
0: Yeah. I listen, it's a different world. I mean, Pat McAfee in my world was a punter. Now he's one of the most popular broadcasters. You know, it's really, it's really amazing. He's leveraged social media in, in, in a very interesting right. way. Um, all right, let me ask you two more broad topics, then I'll let you go. Um, how do you view platform changes? Amazon is going to have a full slate of NFL games now. Apple has Major League Baseball games. They have MLS games coming. These are major tech companies that I think to your point about NFTs are looking at sports as a bridge to go from one thing to another. So how do you view partnering with these type of groups on behalf of players?
1: We view it as a huge opportunity. I mean, it's great for us that we see major technology players coming into sports in such an aggressive way, valuing the game, valuing the athletes. What you know, Apple's doing with Friday Night Baseball, I think, is really, really exciting. And we've been talking to them about how do we associate that with certain baseball games that may be in the App Store or maybe on Apple Arcade? How do we find ways to tie these promotions together? You know, I come from the world of mobile games where live operations is everything. And so if you can capture organic interest of something that's happening already, you know, and you can piggyback off that and you can say, hey, look, you're already watching the Yankees play the Astros on Friday night. Why don't you play this game? Because we're featuring Aaron Judge and Jose Altuve. That makes a tremendous amount of sense and you already have pent up interest. So I think the same can be said for Amazon. The more places that fans are able to find sports, especially technology companies, the more places we're able to really
0: engage with them. Okay. All right. Last one. Um, I know this all started with professional athletes, but I'm sure you're working with collegiate athletes now. Um, can you kind of just discuss NIL and, and where we are with that and where you think that lands when things settle down for collegiate athletes?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we are extremely active when it comes to NIL. Um, we've actually already announced a deal with Panini for trading cards. Um, we've announced a deal with Fanatics for apparel so um, we've actually established the largest group rights program in the world, um, including all professional athletes. Um, we've, we've surpassed the NFL now at this point. I think we're into the 2000s um, with our college athletes. And we're working not just with basketball and football, as you can imagine, but we're working across eight sports, um, including things like women's volleyball, um, you know, because we really believe that there are fans of these sports who deserve to, you know, see the athletes that they love and that there are product lines that make a lot of sense to, to bring these athletes rights to. So um, we're very, very active. We have not yet announced uh, our first big video game deal, though we're in talks with a handful of publishers and there's a lot of excitement in the space. When it comes to NFTs, there's of course, a huge opportunity there as well. So we believe that the future is bright and we're really, really excited to take a strong stance to monetizing uh, college NIL. All
0: right, last thing, Will Arch Manning, make more money than most NFL quarterbacks when he heads to Texas, because I believe he will.
1: I think he's got a good chance. Yeah. I think he's got a good chance. I really do. I mean, you know, I I live in Nashville, Tennessee now, and I'm seeing, you know, just right in front of me, how college football is treated down here and the way that these athletes are treated and the opportunity. If he, he surrounds himself with the right people and, you know, he's smart about this. I think he's got, an incredible opportunity to um, really shake things up in a way that people haven't seen before.
0: Henry Lowenfels is the chief product officer at the One Team Partners. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: You got it, Bram, appreciate it.
0: On the next Future Sport Podcast, minting collectibles can start now for some of the stars of the future.
1: So what we're doing is we're guaranteeing that there is a managed supply for every athlete, and an athlete can't just go ahead and release uh, limited edition of 10 and then the next week release another limited edition of 10 and then do that in perpetuity because what that ends up doing is it makes those limited editions not so
0: limited that's nate slutsky co-founder of verified inc who has some unique ideas in the collectible space that involves nfts and modern tangible cards that will do it for this episode as always the future is now this is the future sport podcast i'm bram Weinstein.